Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to make a few comments about what just happened uh, in this past week. Many of you know that I do not uh, throw politics down your throat during the course of a year. That is just not my uh, style. But I do believe that uh, since the election, we need to make some announcements and we need to, as a church, be praying. You know, it was a crazy campaign. And I, I believe that our job as a church has really just begun. In First Timothy chapter 2, he tells us to pray for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. And there's no question and no doubt at all that our nation is divided and our nation needs healing. And so I love this verse and I'll just quote it to you. It says, if my people, are we his people? which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And what will he do? Everyone say, he shall heal our land. You know, Jesus said this. He said that a house that is divided will fall. And so it's very important and it's a very important season For us to be on our post and not coast in this area of prayer. Donald Trump won the electoral vote. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. And what that tells us is that our nation is divided right down the middle. And so what we must do is we must lock our arms as the body of Christ. And pray and seek God as we never ever have before. I mean, let's, let's be honest about it. Some f- folks feel like the nation has gotten a shot in the arm and man, we're ready to go. And I believe that we should have hope. Amen? Amen. But others feel like that their world has just come to an end. And so what we need is we need the Holy Spirit to bring healing. And I'm, I know I'm not addressing so much, so many people that are in this congregation, but you have coworkers. You live in a real world. I want to quote Samuel Rodriguez. If you've never heard of Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, that guy can preach. He's the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and senior pastor of New Season Christian Worship Center in Sacramento. He says this, a divided church will never heal a broken nation. He said the problem in America does not reside in the schism exasperated by the electoral outcome. He said, our nation's greatest issue lies in the hands of a church divided by race, political agendas, and personalities. More than ever, God desires His church to be holy, to be one, and to be light. Now, we don't have division in this church, but in the body of Christ, there's a a lot of division. And we need to believe in God for unity. It's time for the church to come together so that the divisions in our land can be healed. The Word of God calls us to honor our leaders. And we must surround the new elected leaders and those that are appointed with as much faith, with as much love as we have President Obama, President Bush, come on somebody, and President Clinton. And for those of you that are happy with the outcome, it's an awesome thing. But I exhort you to be gracious. 
to be Christ-like and to be humble in your celebration for whom this election is disappointing and troubling. I'm just saying, show kindness. And for those who may not have supported this candidate, for whatever reason, I want to exhort you as well. Fear not, Jesus has a plan. I said, Jesus has a plan. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he desires. We must be gracious in defeat and humble in victory. If your candidate lost, don't pronounce doom on this country. If your candidate won, don't gloat. Get on your knees and pray. Personally, I believe that President-elect Donald Trump will be leading this country most likely through its very difficult times it's ever seen. And so we must bring the level of prayer way up. On the other hand, I believe this, that he is going to shock the nation in a good way. That is my hope. That is our prayer. Why is that? Because I believe in the church and I believe in prayer. And purposeful, powerful prayer paves the way for that which is impossible to become possible. So it's, no, it's not time to split in two directions and get in each other's faces. It's time to be loving for one another. And so I want all of us to stand today. And I want to pray for our veterans. I want to pray for our nation. I want to pray for a smooth transition. President Obama exemplified a right heart in the smooth transition. Both candidates congratulated one another. And I believe as a church, we need to believe God for the smooth transition and that there'll be a coming together for the good of our nation. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for those that are outgoing and those that are coming in. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. We pray for grace. We pray for safety. And Father, we're asking you to divinely guide all of the decisions that need to be made in these coming days and coming weeks. And most of all, Lord, we pray for an awakening in our nation. Oh, Father, we pray that hearts would be turned toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for a mighty harvest to be reaped. Come on, let's pray. Let it rain, Lord. Say it, let it rain. Let it rain. Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your glory. Father, we plate and put our trust in the living God today. We magnify you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five and say, so be it. And really, that's all I'm going to say about that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here's, a, here's some nice little shoes. Wow. Does anybody have a sh- foot that size in here today? Lucy. <laughs> You know, Brenda was talking about Thanksgiving. Let me take a drink and you'll know why I'm drinking so much water. 
We're going down to Southern California next Monday for Thanksgiving, and the kitchen's not as big as ours, so she's testing out turkeys. <laughs> Normally, we get a little butterball turkey, well, little, 22, 25 pounder, or whatever. So she went over to a store and got a brine turkey yesterday, and uh, I was out most of the afternoon doing this, that, and the other, and, and I called her, and I, and I said, well, did you pick up the ham, and did you pick up the things at Trader Joe's you needed? She says, yeah, and I got a 15-pound turkey in the oven. So I came home, man, gravy, I mean, it was awesome. It was really good. But anyway, should we move on toward the Word? Are you ready? So we're doing a, a, a series right now called Keys to Being Kept. How many of you are interested to being kept by the Lord? Amen. Keys to being kept. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter and the 23rd verse, it says, And the very God of peace, the very God of shalom, will sanctify us or separate us completely. And he prayed that our whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved. That word preserved means to be kept intact to be kept whole, Strong says that he will keep us from loss or injury by keeping his eye upon us. Amen. Aren't you glad his eye is upon you? We are the very apple of his eye. Your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the first key last week, and the first key was that we can be kept by the power of God as we trust Him and as we exercise our faith in Him. Peter says it this way, that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So you and I then have been given the measure of mountain-moving faith. And I said this last week, but it bears repetition. That faith activates the preserving power of God in the life of a Christian. So say this with me strongly this morning. I have faith, I have faith. In, God's in God's keeping power. Now there's no doubt about it. There is a fight to fight, but we discovered that it's a good fight. Amen. We are to fight the good fight of faith. Of course, a good fight is a fight that you win. And at the end of the Apostle Paul's days, he was at the airport, spiritually speaking. He knew that his time of departure was at hand. And he said, you know, he said, by the grace of God, I have kept the faith and I have fought a good fight. Did the Apostle Paul face all sorts of adversaries and all sorts of attacks? But what the Apostle Paul did, he didn't center in so much on the attacks and the symptoms and the insults and the hardships. He had eternity on his mind. He kept the word of God before him. He is the one who said this, don't look at the things which are seen. Why? Because the things which are seen are temporary. They're subject to change. But keep your eyes on the eternal Word of the living God. Keep your eyes with a heavenly perspective. Because as you do, you will live life on a different level. You will live, in a sense, above those things that are coming against you. It doesn't mean that they're going to stop coming, but they will not prosper against your life. 
Why? Because you put your faith and your trust in God. And so we discovered that fighting the good fight of faith is not so much fighting symptoms and fighting the devil, but fighting the good fight of faith is simply keeping yourself in the faith realm, in the faith zone, rather than the reasoning and the fear zone. Say with me, I'm a fighter. And by the grace of God, I am fighting the good fight of faith. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word and for this next portion that we're about to talk about today. We look to you, Lord, to give us wisdom, to give us insight. We pray, Lord God, for utterance. Speak to our hearts, Lord, this morning. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 10, and I want to to look at a very, very important aspect of his keeping power in your life. In Proverbs chapter 10, and we notice in verse, oh, verse 27, the 10th chapter of Proverbs and the 27th verse. Now notice with me, it says that the fear of what? The fear of the Lord, it prolongs days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Another translation says that the fear of the Lord increases one's life, but the years of the wicked shall be cut short. And then I like how one translation says, instead of saying the fear of the Lord, it says reverence for the eternal. Now, let's just stop right there. When we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of Him. Now, many of you know what my upbringing was. I was absolutely startled by going to church because the church I went to had pictures of all these apostles and all these angelic beings, and they looked pretty stern. I mean, they looked like, wow, you just make the wrong step and you're going to get swatted. And so I I felt like that as a little boy, you know. And as I would go to confess my sins, nothing against the Catholics, don't, don't misunderstand me. But as I would go to confess my sins, man, it was with great fear and trembling. I mean, my knees were knocking. I was totally, completely afraid that my Irish Catholic priest was going to blow his top. Because the same priest that I had to confess my sins to just read my report card a few days earlier. And my report card wasn't all that good. You know, back in those days, they had little checks by different characteristics. And I always got a check by conduct. It just didn't seem like as a little boy, I could quite measure up. And so I was told yearly, Mr. Thomas, it's time for you to turn over a new leaf. And, you know, as much as you try to turn over a new leaf, if God's not in it and God's not helping you, it's pretty hard to turn, right? And then later in life, I was told, turn or burn, boy. But anyway, I was, I was afraid. I was fearful. And uh, that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. This fear of the Lord is life-changing. This fear of the Lord will prolong your days. This fear of the Lord that we're talking about today is a reverence, it is an honor, it is a privilege 
to be in the Father's family and with great respect and with awesome honor, we walk in the ways of the Lord, giving glory to Him every day of our life. That's what the fear of the Lord is all about. And when we do operate in the fear of the Lord, we see here that it will prolong our days. Now, I don't want to have my days prolonged here on earth if I'm going to be miserable. I don't want my days to be long and weak. I want my days, glory to God, to be living long and living strong. You know, Psalms 91 says it like this. He declares that with long life will I satisfy him. And what will he show us? He will show us his salvation and he will show us his deliverance. Oh, there's long life available to those that will walk in the fear of the Lord. There's good life available to those who walk in the fear of the Lord. You see, he that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his lips from evil and his tongue that it speaks no guile. The fear of the Lord is something that you and I can do and we can walk in as a way of life. You see, when he prolongs your days, you're being kept by the power of God. So the fear of the Lord then is to have respect for him because of who he is and what he has done in your life. Can I hear a testimony from somebody in this house today that God's done some things in your life? Amen. Like the psalmist said, he has done great things. He's done great things because he's a great God. He's a big God and he's a good God. And he's taken many of us out of darkness and brought us over into the kingdom of the great God. Hallelujah. That is such good news. Oh, man. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Every day. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is to literally hate evil. To hate evil. It's to respect Him for what He's done and who He is in your life. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12 and verse 13, I want to look at this verse this morning. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13. It says here, And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? You know, it's good to know what's required of us. But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Verse 13 says, To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you this day, for thy good. Now let's just break this down just a little bit. Notice verse 13 is to keep the commandments of the Lord. What is the number one commandment that you and I are to keep as New Testament Christians? Love one another as I have loved you. To love one another even as I have loved you. Let's take a look at that in John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35. When we are keeping His commandments, we are walking in His ways. One of the biggest ways of the Lord are the way, is the way of love. Amen. 
John chapter 13, verse 34, let's read it together. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then let's look at verse 35. By this... Let's read that just a little bit more, class. It's a little stronger. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love. Does us walking in love make a difference to all men? How are all men going to know that we are his disciples? Are they going to know by us pointing our bony finger of condemnation at them? Are they going to know by us having a superiority complex? Or by us feeling as though that we are better than them? No, that's not going to draw people to Jesus. What draws people to Jesus is the love of God. Now on Tuesday afternoon... Um, I've got a Muslim gentleman coming to visit me, and uh, I'm just going to have tea. I'm going to have coffee with him. I'm going to invite him into my office, and I'm just going to talk with him. I am not going to cram the gospel down his throat. I'm not going to give him Romans Road and put him in a spot where, okay, buddy, confess Jesus right now, or you're going to go to hell. No. I'm going to work with this man. I'm going to love him. I'm going to open my heart to him. I am going to offer to him some counsel that he perhaps needs very desperately. And I believe that in doing so, the power of God and the presence of God and the love of God will change that man's heart. You see, there are different forms of reaching people. And yes, there is the form of confronting people with the gospel, the confrontational gospel, and that's good. But when it comes to co-workers, when it comes to to people around you, you've got to be led by the Holy Ghost. Yesterday, as I was getting ready to go work out, I was just about getting into my my car. and, And our neighbors are from Iran. And uh, their new neighbors, our former neighbor had passed away and, and uh, a really nice lady. And they came in and as soon as I knew that they were coming to the neighborhood, I went over them and greeted them. And I didn't say, hi, I'm Pastor Mark. I've been in full-time ministry for 40 years. And uh, here's my Bible. Now, repent. No, I just, I just said, now look, guys... Um, you know, the Union City Police looks out for my home when we're on vacation, and and uh, we've got a good neighborhood here, and and uh, we just you know just believe God that your house is going to be safe and so forth, so on. And so um, the other week, about three four weeks ago, they said we're going back to the Middle East for three weeks, and could you kind of keep an eye on our home? And I said, sure, we will. So we did. We didn't go in, but you know, praise God. We believe this, that not only shall no evil shall befall us, but no evil shall befall our neighbors. Amen. Neither shall any plague come to our dwelling. So yesterday, as I was getting ready to get in the car, 
Um, I, I waved at them, and, and they had a 29-hour flight, and they were jet-lagged. And uh, she just rolled the window down. She says, it's, it's time for us to get together for tea. It's t- we'd like to have you come over and to see what we've done to the home. Now, they know what we do, but they're going to open their home to us, and we're going to open our heart to them. I mean, you know that God's heart is open to everybody. I think one of the greatest uh, testimonies that I know of today is Keith Hershey's ministry. Mutual Faith Ministries. It's an awesome ministry. They have orphanages in the Philippines, and we're going to show you a clip on that sometime. But over in Beirut, Lebanon. Now, Beirut, Lebanon, in the most war-torn part of the city. Brenda and I have been there. There's, uh, there's like, looks like bullet holes in the, in, the, uh, in the building where rockets have gone and so forth. It's a huge building. But right now, what's happening over there is Syrian refugees are coming to Lebanon by the thousands. And so what they do at the Life Center is they take in the Syrians. They take in their children and they clothe them and they love them and they minister to them. And as a result, many of them are turning from Islam to Jesus. I don't know if you can get excited about that, but I can. Amen. Now, not everyone's going to come to Christ, but you and I can show the love of God toward people. And I believe that many people, praise God, are going to come to Jesus as a result of our love. By this shall all men know. They will know we are his disciples. If we have love one to another. Can you say amen? amen? Now, this love of walking in this love... It's really walking in the ways of God. Now, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I didn't intend to go this direction, but it's all good, right? Romans, the 8th chapter and the, and the 28th verse. This is a very interesting verse of Scripture. How many of you want all things to work together for you, for good? I mean, when the enemy comes and attacks your life, how many of you want that turned around? Go like this, turned around. Amen. Can God turn some things around? We sing a song in this place. God's about to turn some things around. Is that right? So we all love the turnaround. We don't so much like what's come against us, but we love when God intervenes. And we hold fast to scriptures like greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Amen. So no, notice this verse. It says, and we know. Everyone say, I know. And we know that all things work together for good. And here's the qualifier. To them that love God. Now, I don't want to get nasty and I don't want to get weird today. But the truth of the matter is, is all things are not working together for the good for everybody. We'd love for that to be. But it's not true. All things only work together for the good of those that love God. And to them that are called according to His purpose. Now that's a very deep subject and it is a very deep truth. We'll skim the surface of it. What we want to do is to make sure that we know what it means to love God. Amen. 
It's more than lip service. It's more than lip service. It's more than coming to church maybe once or twice a month. Amen? Loving God is found for us in John, I believe, the 14th chapter. And I want to look at the 23rd and the 24th verse. And I want to notice that in the Amplified Version if we can. So we'll wait a moment till we pull this up. Walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in His ways, walking in love, positions us for prolonged life. And it also positions us to have the things that come against us to turn around for the glory of God. Look at your neighbor and say, turn around time. Now, these are right from the lips of the master. This is what Jesus is saying. He said here, if a person really loves me, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word. He will obey my teaching. And here's what will happen. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our what kind of place? special dwelling place with him. Now notice verse 24, it kind of cements this. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching or my commandments. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. So just to summarize this point, if we really love God, and we really, really absolutely fear Him and reverence Him, we'll do what He says. We'll just keep His commandments. We'll do our very best to walk in the love of God, to walk in the ways of God. Now, I'm not talking about being perfect. Sometimes when you talk like this, people get under condemnation and think, well, I'm, I'm not perfect. Hey, I'll raise both of my hands. I'm not perfect either. But I prophesied to you this morning that the one who began a good work in you, he's going to perform it. He's going to complete it with your cooperation until he returns. Amen. And so the fear of the Lord will prolong your days. We're talking about keys to being kept. In Psalms 18 and verse 21, let's look over there. Psalms, the 18th division, the 21st verse. It says here, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Keeping the ways of the Lord. The message translation says this in verse 20 through 24. God made my life complete. Can anyone prophesy and testify today that God's made you complete? You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before Him. When I got my act together, He gave me a fresh start. Now I am alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the way He works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. Read the rest with me. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. He is rewriting the text of our lives when we open up our heart 
to him. Amen. So I want to talk to you about some benefits then of fearing the Lord, being kept by the power of God. Anybody interested in benefits on the job? I mean, you take a job, you want to know whether they have health benefits, right? You want to know whether they have dental benefits. Nobody's interested in vacation benefits here, right? I mean, you'd just rather work 365 days a year. Am I right about that? No, you want to know what the benefit package includes. And there are benefits as a result of you and I being in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, the benefits are listed for us in Psalms 103. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, he heals all thy diseases, he redeems our life from destruction, he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, he satisfies our mouth with good things, so that our youth is renewed, just like the eagles. Amen. Amen. But now notice this one over in Proverbs. You all still here today? I mean, you listen so good. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 4, verse 14, verse 27, the Amplified says, Reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It's a fountain of life. That one may avoid the snares of death. The NLT says it this way, The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Amen. Proverbs 16, verse 6. Let's keep tracking this through. Proverbs 16, 6 in the Amplified says this, and this really wasn't given to them upstairs, so just listen. In Proverbs 16, 6 it says, The reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it rests satisfied and he cannot be visited with actual evil the nlt says that the fear of the lord leads to life bringing security and protection from harm so he says well i have a security system at home that's awesome and that's great but this security system is better than adt it's better than what you've been offered by different companies no the fear of the lord is life itself, the message says, a full life and a serene life. And I like how he says this, no nasty surprises. It's a fountain of life. It's a fountain of life. So we could say that when we fear the Lord, that in our pathway is life and there is no death. Go ahead and say that with me. In my pathway is life. And there is no death. Now, here's another benefit. I know you... uh, Sit down. You're just so excited. You know, some of you are just shouting so much, I can't hardly... It's overwhelming. Just sit back down. All right. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 7. Amen. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord. How many of you want some angels working on your behalf? I would not be alive today if it wasn't for the angels of the Lord. Absolutely. Some of you had angels working for you, praise God, and they've been working overtime. (laughs) Psalm 34, 7. Man, this is good, good food right here. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who, you know, just kind of are casual about the Lord and... No, the angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him and brings deliverance to them. 
Now I'll go over to Psalm 91, verse 10. Psalm 91, verse 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come what? Come near your dwelling. Near your dwelling. That's where you are. Amen. Why is that? Look at verse 11. Read it with me. For he shall give his angels... So when you fear the Lord, you will keep his ways and he will keep you in all your ways. When we fear the Lord, we will keep his ways and he will keep us in all of our ways. Amen. And then, how many of you remember Y2K back in the year 2000? Remember Y2K? Everyone was real, not everyone, but a lot of people were really nervous. Because as soon as 2000 hit, the water was going to be cut off. And we were going to experience a famine like we never experienced before. Computer glitches, everything just going down. Your bank accounts were going to go down. Everything was going to be empty. You know what I think about when I think about that? I think about what David said. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've been young, I've been old. I've been through the 80s. I've been, thank God I made it through the 70s. Amen. Thank God some of you made it through the 60s. Hallelujah. Some of you beaten it, made it through the 40s. Thank you, Jesus. I've been young and I've been old. But I, now listen to this. I have never seen the righteous Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor what? Nor his seed out begging for bread. So Y2K was a fear-based sales job from the enemy. And a lot of Christians bought into it, and I'm not criticizing them, but they even got so afraid, they just filled their water beds up with extra water. And some of them are still drinking water from 2000. But did you notice? I'm just asking. Did you notice the 2000 came and went? And here you are. I want to try this section over here. 2000 came and went. And here you are. You're still here. You're still breathing. You're still praising. You're still declaring. You're still walking in His ways. You're still fearing the Lord. His angels have kept you up till now and they'll keep you all the way to the finish line. Woo! And then again, I'm not criticizing, but just an observation. Brenda's got the spirit of observation. She transferred it to me. But it's just, it's a gift. (laughs) Not really. But just, you know, observing some things on television. Selling food to get stored up for what's to come. I can't live like that. Even if what they're saying happens, I'm not going to eat that food anyway. I ain't going to do, I'm not going to eat dried up peas 
for 50 years because of some sort of doom and gloom attitude toward the future. Listen, if things did go south, God never goes south. He lives in the north. Amen? And if one of the prophets of old was fed by a raven, don't you know that he can send a raven to your house? And he hasn't lost the recipe for manna. Now, it might not taste like Krispy Kreme donuts, but it'll be better for you. My point is this. In Psalms 33, and in closing, which many of you are extremely relieved. Psalms 33. Notice verse 18 and 19. You've got to have a sense of humor doing what I do. I mean, you ought to look at some of your faces. I mean, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I love you, but smile a while and give your face a rest. (laughs) Amen. Oh, me, I guess. All right. Deliverance belongs to the children of God. God's on your side. God is for you. The best is yet to come. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And you and I, we are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When everything around us is being shaken, when this is being shaken, when that's being shaken, you and I, as we walk in His ways and we stay steadfast with Him, we are in an unshakable kingdom. But when we operate in His Word and in His glory, there will be a shaking happen, but it will be a shaking of His glory and of His presence and of His power to people that really need Him. Psalms 33, notice verse 18 and verse 19. We started out our message, we started out our dissertation last week talking about that you are the apple of His eye. And that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on your behalf. Now notice this. Read it with me. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them So could we say that the eye of the Lord's upon us? Could we say that His eye is upon us because we're hoping in His mercy? Now here's verse 19. This is so good. To deliver their soul from what? From death and to keep them alive in famine. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He's kept you alive thus far and He will keep you alive because He needs you, because you are His voice, you are His arm, you are His legs, you are the manifestation of His love in the earth. So my prayer for you today is that you would keep the ways of the Lord, that you would walk in the love of God, and that you would be kept by the power of God. Lord, I thank You for Your angels 
being having charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, no matter what things may look like out there, we're living by what the Word of God says. Thank you for keeping us strong and keeping us alive in the midst of our years. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone stand if you would. Well, I've done it again. I preach myself happy. I have literally preached myself happy. Amen. Oh, glory to God.